0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 20 of Confessions of a Market Maker. I'm your co-host, Ray, a.k.a. All Day Ray, a.k.a. Commodore of the Lagoon, (laughs) and I'm I'm joined here by my attentive co-host, former market maker of 20 years, a House Street legend who has more stories than Forrest Gump, a man who has sold enough paper to rival Xerox, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm talking nice. about I'm talking about the brown George Clooney JJ <laughs> or JJ. How's it going?
1: Good, right? Jeez, uh, that coffee's really working. Jeez. Oh
0: man, yeah. Shout out to the espresso. Yeah, mixed espresso and uh, black coffee. That's that's the trick. Okay. But, hey. <laughs> anyway, oh man. So God. our guest, our guest today. Has 41 years of multifaceted industry experience. Since 1977, he's held exchange memberships on a CME, CBOT, in the Mid America Exchange. He's traded futures and options for over 39 years. CEO of Photon Trader, Mr. Souflaki Stick Trader.
2: <laughs>
0: I'm talking about Damon Pavlatos. Damon, how's it going?
3: Uh, hey, how you doing? That's too funny. Oh, uh, Souvlaki stick. There you go. Souvlaki <laughs> stick.
0: No, I heard you say that, man. You know, I had, yeah. I had, to, show, I had to show a little
3: love to the Greek culture. Uh, hey, you know, listen, you know, it is what it is. I'm proud of it. You know, absolutely. Shout, hey, shout out to Nadia in
0: Athens. If she's listening. But anyway, Damon, hey, hey, hey. pleasure to have you on the pod today. You know, like your wife, we had on last week. You have immense industry experience. And I hear you got stories. Uh, that rival JJ's, so <laughs> so we're looking forward to that. And uh, you know, I'll kick it off to JJ. I'll let him start the conversation off.
1: Well, first of all, Damon, thank you so much uh, for being on the podcast. We really are excited. Um, well, I'm um, happy to be there. You know, yeah. it was f- wonderful having uh, Linda on um, previously, and now, you know, I, I read about you know you guys and and your exploits when I was uh, I read about them when I was you know just starting out in the early '90s and. It's such a a thrill to meet you, and um, you know, get some insight and uh, into this into this you know industry that uh, sort of once you get into it, it's hard to get out. (laughs) True, that's true. (laughs) So I was just you know uh, wanted to welcome you, and you know for for the newer sort of younger people who listen to the podcast, there are certain traders that. Um, have a mystique about them, um, the Monroe Trouts, the Paul Tudor Joneses, um, and Damon has. So you know, he has been the executing trader, or you know, has worked with these these gentlemen and himself in his own right with his uh, experiences on the you know on the floors of, of these exchanges, and then even later off the floors. Um, it's it's wonderful to have someone who uh, I'm a huge historian in the market. I love the history of the U.S. markets. And uh, so we're very excited and we just, you know, wanted to ask you, you know, how you started off in the business and, you know, how, how did you get involved in all of this?
3: All right. I'm going to be uh, pretty frank. Uh, so before I got started in the business and, you know, so since we're going to get personal on this thing, I could tell after listening to Linda's, uh, you, know, <laughs> you know, that I'm not going to get around it. So I might as well show off, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So uh, I play lead guitar and a little piano, and oh, uh, nice. yeah, and so um, I personally always thought I was going to be a rock and roll star. You know, you know I, oh, I, I was cool. playing, yeah, I was playing nightclubs when I was fifteen. You know, my mom's like, you know, this isn't right. <laughs> 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 you know. Where did I go wrong? You exactly. Know? Exactly. You know, yeah. you know, I mean I played nightclubs, you know. I I got her trained so that by the time I was sixteen she says, Well, you better be home by two I mean no other kid had those yeah. kind of roles, you know, but she trusted me and she knew I loved music. But so anyway, by the time I was uh I was in college, I was finishing my last year and I was in a rock and roll band that was doing very well. You know, we had a uh, mailing list of uh three, four thousand, of course, girls. You know, <laughs> And, uh, you know, we had a fan club kind of thing and uh, we were playing all the, the, the clubs in the colleges and we got pretty popular and we got picked up by a big agent and wanted to book us, you know, all over the, the states if we wanted to, wow. all the way into Canada. And uh, I was the youngest guy in the band and the other guys, these, these guys were, you know, very straight and smart dudes um they they actually and I won't get too far into this but but they were you know graduates and one was had a physics degree master's in physics and all that you know so and they had good jobs but this was a pretty big break for us so you know I dropped out of college to go on the road with the rock and roll band on that there is a story that you don't hear too much but (laughs) uh yeah. So, uh, of course, my parents, my whole family, even my friends, you know, they're all like, you know, going to be doctors, lawyers. And here I am, I'm leaving college, you go on the road with a rock and roll band, you know, playing. And stuff. <laughs> so we, we go on the road and everything. But I did about 170 venues. In wow. Yeah. We were playing a lot. And then I just realized this isn't quite for me, even though I really like music. A, it became a job. And then B, you know i could see how these guys end up like you know drug addicts and you know Ever, i didn't take any drugs but i certainly had a few cocktails too many <laughs> and and uh yeah and it would you know i just didn't enjoy the scene um it got to be work and so i actually left the band but in a good way you know i we split up i brought in other guitars because it was we were booked for months in advance, so I couldn't leave oh. them high and dry. So I came back and I, I didn't know what to do. You know, I started bookings for agencies and I started a, my own uh, concert production company that went okay. good for a while, but then I lost in some of them. So one day I'm sitting there with my brother, you know, and going, I don't know what to do. You know, uh, I tried everything in music, I'd rather be playing than doing all these other things. And he said, Well, why don't you come down to the Merck and you know, get a job down there for a while and see if you like it. So I'm like the Mercantile Exchange, the CME. Mm-hmm. And I said, the CME? I said, you guys are a bunch of nuts, you know?
2: <laughs> you know, you know,
3: screaming. And I don't know what the hell you're doing there, you know, you know, a bunch of disgruntled guys, you know. I mean, you know, for, from my view, being really mellow and a, a musician, you know, they just looked <laughs> like a bunch of crazy nuts, you know. <laughs> And he says, well, what do you, you know, why don't you just do that for a little bit and just to try something different. So, you know, I decided at that time, why give it a shot. So I go down there, I meet his boss, which he was a very cool dude. Uh, you know, basically uh, he, you know, he, he was a doctor uh, and he was one of the doctors that, you know, in the army that took care of all the vets and all that. And I guess he got disenchanted with all that kind of stuff and got a job at the Merck and he was working there for years. So we hit it off pretty good. Um, He hired me and and I kind of, when I went down there, I just said, well, what are these guys doing? You know? And I really sucked my teeth into it. And I was very fortunate because after about a half a year, I went from just being a runner, taking orders out to the pit, to, to being a deck holder in the cattle pit, which, by the way, the cattle pit was like the biggest pit. <laughs> there was oh, no wow. s no currencies. Yeah, I mean, wow. it was crazy. And and gold, yeah, at that time, for about a year, gold started trading on the Chicago at CME, as well as uh, New York, and there was arbitrage between them. That was during the hostage crisis. Oh, wow. Gold went to 800, so it was crazy, right? You know, So- but I really got into it. And while I was down there, there was a guy sitting there with these big charts, hand charts, regular paper charts. There was no computers, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And he was sitting by the time and sales machine so that he could make, you know, put his highs, lows for his 30 minute charts and all that. He had all these GAN fans all over and things. And so I went up to him and, you know, I was inquisitive. I said, what, what are you doing? You know? He says, Well, I'm charting, you know. And he says, Is this how I, predict the market and i have a charting service and all that well i asked him i said you know is there any way you can show me or teach me he says sure you know so he started to teach me and meanwhile i'm working in a cattle pit Mm -hmm. uh, holding spread decks which is uh you know spread orders like you know it's april cattle and and uh June, you know, June, up, you know, spreads. I mean, there was all these different spreads. It was a, the biggest market on the most volume. <clears throat> so it was about two years as it went by and I'm charting and I'm studying, I'm reading Edwards, McGee and Gann and all these like books that he told me to read, you know, and my brother thought I was crazy. He goes, I thought you, you know, we're going to come here and want to leave. I said, no, I, this is kind of getting into it, you know, yeah. So uh, my dad had given us both a little money. He had a service station. He, he didn't have a lot of money, but he, you know, since we didn't uh, use all the money for college, right? You know, yeah. he says, "Do what you want with it." So I invested in buying a small seat at the Mid America. There, you know, a, a small secondary exchange. You know, they okay. traded cattle and gold and bonds and all this stuff, but they were secondary market. They were watching the other market and they could go 15 minutes after the close. Uh, once the, the uh, primary markets, like the cattle market closed, the cattle can trade 15 minutes past the close because it's okay. a secondary market and there are many contracts are split mm-hmm. in half. Right. So that's how I got my start. And, um, and it, it's kind of funny because I, I, I went down there, I'm all gun ho and I just got married, just got married. So, you know, it wasn't at at that time a great thing to do because I just got married (laughs) and I had no real income coming in and I just had a little money in the bank. And uh, fortunately, I I didn't lose money, but I didn't make enough to really make it enough Mm -hmm. to pay rent and all that because it's two years you know. Yeah, It's hard for people to make money after two years you know I was fortunate that I didn't lose I just didn't make enough so uh, I did that but I hit a my charting service started from there because um, I uh, you know at that time I'm doing these charts and these other traders at the mid-am were seeing that you know the the charts that I had were helping me trade and I would walk in a pit a lot of times. I'll give you an example. This is where it all t- changed for me. And I really believed in the charts. So I'm doing all this homework and I see in the bonds. It's uh, 15 minutes before the close. And that's for the bond close. and Then, then it, it could trade 15 minutes after that. That, <clears throat> it looked like a good buy. So I go in there to buy four contracts which was really only two bigs because they were split in half. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I walk in, there's only like 10 traders in each pit. It was a small exchange. I walk in and uh, like I said, it's a secondary market and they had this, what they call a exchange phone to the Board of Trade in the Merck so that they can leg it off there if they have oh, to.
2: okay, okay.
3: But you know that only worked when the exchange was open. Once they closed, the last 15 minutes, the uh Mid-A-Am can trade after that, right? So uh, so I run into pit and I go to bid on four contracts and everybody hit me. They were screaming like I sold it to them. No I sold really? it you know. <laughs> and, and I'm scared. I mean I'm 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 like, wow, I must be wrong because nine guys wanted to sell this to me. I'm the only bidder, you know? Yeah. So I go out and I'm looking at my charts going, Okay, I must be wrong because there's nine Traders that I mean they were swinging on my neck, screaming in my ear. <laughs> I sold them, so, you know. So finally I go out. I'm shaking because you know the bonds are pretty. Uh, so, I'm looking at the charts. And, no, it's pretty good buy. I've been waiting for this little pop. So the bonds close now. The mid am can uh, trade higher or lower. For 15 minutes, it, it, they could trade anywhere. But the funny thing about it was, the bonds started a rally before the close, and all of a sudden, I'm I'm in. You know, I, I have a couple ticks profit already, and these guys are all looking at me like, what are, What did I know? Right? <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah.
3: All of a sudden, the bonds close, and everybody's stuck. <laughs> you know, these nine guys. You know, they they had all sold. You know, four <laughs> contracts to me, but they also were short. And there is nobody in there that was offering anything, and they needed wow. to get out. So they're looking at me, and my badge was PAV, and they're like, Pop, get back in here. <laughs> and, I'm like, and I'm looking at them like, What are they looking at? They know that I'm long for <laughs> and I could sell them something. And yeah. it, the, meanwhile, it's getting bid up. So it went from 28 to like 30. And then O one one and O two, 2 And I'm just standing there going, wow, I'm already up seven and eight ticks. And I didn't even offer anything. Yeah. So they're screaming for me to get in. So I go walking in a pit. And I could do anything. I can offer 28 ticks higher. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's a secondary market. Yeah. So I'm looking at them going, oh, so I'm, <laughs> I'm not so stupid after all. You know, <laughs> yeah, you know, I gave them a lot of grief. So they're going, come on, offer something. I said, really? I said, okay. I said, one at 18. They go, Mm -hmm. get out of here. That's highway robbery. I said, oh, really? Before you're screaming in my ear, you know, cracking up like I was a a lunatic. I said, all right, one at 15. Then somebody says, oh, man, buys it.
2: And then
3: then he says, come on, offer a couple more. Come on. You know, give me a better price. I said, no, one at 18. And they're all screaming at me. It was too funny. (laughs) So I, I ended up taking 15 or Eighteen ticks per contract, and really the funny thing about it, the next day the market only opened up up a couple ticks. So meanwhile, wow. they're all looking at me like, "What's he doing over there?" Because no one charted. Yeah. So this one guy walks up to me, says, "All right, I want a piece of this guru stuff."
2: <laughs>
3: and I said, "Guru stuff? Yeah, whatever you're doing here, so, man, yeah. hocus pocus, crap, sorcery." You know? Yeah, and I'm looking at him like. These guys are out of their minds. I mean, I I'm just a little guy. I didn't yeah. have much money, so th- I didn't. I said, "Hey, look, I'm just doing my own thing." Well, charge me. Just you know, help me out. Tell me what you're doing. I said, nah, you know, I just didn't mm-hmm. know what to do. I didn't even feel confident." Well, this went on, and another guy asked me to. So finally, I said, "I'll I'll tell you what, you know, because they said just charge me, you know, you know, I'll." I'll I'll pay for like some service, give me some levels, whatever you're doing. <laughs> yeah. So I created this like little one star, two star, three star level kind of thing, you know, three stars being really strong and put them on a little piece of paper and Xeroxed it and I sold it to two guys for a hundred bucks a month, which was a lot of money back then. Yeah. Well, this turned out to be a full fledged charting service for a while, <laughs> you know, cause we're wow. making nice. some extra money. Well, what happened was, uh, well, you know, when you're married, I mean, this is my first wife, and my mother-in-law is going, you know, you, how are you going to pay your bills? And all this <laughs> you know, and and literally, you know, I had to sell some of my music equipment just to, you oh, know, man. make some extra rent money, and you know, because you know, it's even if you're making some money, you had to make quite a bit for everything, and and my wife at the time was still in college, so. You know, she wasn't working.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So, uh, so I, I thought about going back to the Merck and, you know, maybe getting a job again. And then I could trade, keep the seat and trade over the phone. Okay. So uh, sure enough, I got a, a really good job um, from a friend of mine that uh, did real well for himself in the pit. He was older, but, you know, he did real well. Mm-hmm. He saw me like looking around and hanging around the exchange. He goes, David, what, what's going on? You know, where are you working? I said, I'm not yet. I'm looking for a job. He goes, no, you're not. I said, what do you mean? He says, you're working for me. That's how it was. I said, we yeah. working for you. Nice. I, don't, I said, I don't want charity. He goes, no. He says, you're not working. I need you. You know, you know, he was in a belt pit, big okay. broker, doing 100 lots. I mean, you know, he, he would get 100 lot orders all the time. And, and back then, that's when arbitrage uh, hand signals started. You remember the, seeing the hand signals from Yep. That? Yeah. So, oh, okay. uh, so that's, so I, Basically, I'll fast forward a little bit. I took that job, and then uh, Delsher was a company owned by Leo Malamed. Um, they courted me to work their uh, uh, their, their. Basically, they did. Uh, there was a German bank they wanted me to cover. Okay. They did TED spreads, which was the Euro and the T bill spreads, right? Yeah. And uh, and they offered me a decent job, so it started from there, and then. When the spoos were about to open, I I got this uh, manager, floor manager from Shearson American Express that came up to me and says, hey, Damon, you know, because I talked to, to a lot of people. You, you end up talking to so many people, but I didn't, was looking for another job. I had a good job. Mm-hmm. And he says, listen, we need somebody that knows arbitrage, who, you know, I feel confident can manage an operation. He says, you know, can you you know, work for me and, and run the S and P desk when it opens up. I didn't even know what S and Ps were at the time, you know. Wow. Before they opened up and I went <clears throat> Well, I don't know. I said, what kind of money and whatever. I had no idea that it was Sherson American Express and these guys were so huge. Just yeah, no kidding. Big big money. You know? Yeah. So uh, they made me an offer I had you know I couldn't refuse so I at that time I decided to take the job and that's how I started with Shares American Express which later two years later we had these between the first and second biggest s operation because it would go back and forth from Goldman and get okay. a lot of business and that's where two, Paul Tudor Jones heard that I was good at executing through the grapevine and I get a call directly from him and he says, uh, I want to talk to you, you know, and I'm like, Oh, and I knew who he was, you know? Yeah. And he says, uh, I want to have you execute my orders and, uh, you know, would you be interested? And I talked to Shearson, uh, we can work it out. And I said, yeah, sure. So that's how I ended up, Working for Paul Tudor Jones, not directly. I was still managing mm-hmm. Sherson's operation, but when that phone rang, everybody was, <laughs> they would throw the they would throw the phone at me like a hot potato, you know. No one wanted to answer it, you know, because they're like, no, you know, they knew it was Paul. Oh, it was a hotline, you know. Exactly, you yeah. know. And I'm looking at him like, take it easy, you know. <laughs> you know? And at the time, then Lewis Bacon, who was now manages more capital. I don't know if he does anymore, oh, but yeah. it's billions of dollars. Yeah. Uh, he was kind of a smaller uh, Paul Tudor Jones, much smaller at the time. But they were friends. You know, they pretty much uh, started together. So then I was doing, Paul, uh, you know, Louis Bacon's phone. And it, it just, uh, I decided after my fourth year there, and I was still do, doing uh, executing for Paul Tudor Jones, but I had saved some good money and, uh, and I I had my charting service and I really wanted to trade. So I decided to lease a seat. I quit to go lease a seat on my own. And, uh, wouldn't you know it though, I, I literally started trading three weeks before the 87 crash, you know, for myself. Yeah. So you could imagine how crazy that was, but I have to say, I was very fortunate. I uh, I had to borrow an extra twenty five thousand because you had to have fifty thousand in a T bill, just if you lease the seat. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, CME's seat. So I had to have that. Plus I had to have extra money, and it was a little short. So a friend of mine, you know, just a very awesome dude. He's one of my best friends, Greek guy. He says, "You need what? What do you need?" I said, <laughs> "I don't know." You know, I need like twenty five thousand. He says, "Here." He cuts a check to me he says just pay me back when you make some money that's how it was i mean yeah. i couldn't believe it you know no. so uh but in three weeks i made like 40 or 50 thousand dollars and i paid him back and i gave him interest he goes what are you doing i only <laughs> owed you 25 i said no nobody else would have did this for me you know yeah. and he says don't he tore the check up i go what are you doing he goes just give me 25 i said no <laughs> I, want, I don't want You know, I really appreciated it. So that's how I got my start. That's great. But but the the crash was crazy, because um, you know it's too bad. I would have made a lot more money. I when Friday I did really well before the crash, which by the way that was the most violent day until the crash. Friday was pretty crazy, and uh, that weekend it was so bad that. Uh, the out trade clerks and I'll explain what those are we're trying to decipher all all the trades from Friday and they were trying to uh, match them and make sure everything was matched and worked oh. by Monday because it was so crazy that you know uh,
1: they had to work the whole weekend. They,
3: they were working like Friday night and Saturday and Sunday and coming meeting. Yeah. Because it was crazy.
1: Wow. I've done trade reconciliation. So I understand yeah, exactly. that's crazy. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So uh, when I say out trade clerks, for those who are listening, I, you know, I don't want them to be in that understand on the floor back then when you made a trade, you wrote your trades in the card. And if I said, I sold five to JJ. I would write on yep. my card, JJ, his house, you know, number, yeah. whatever, firm he's on, the price. And then by the way, the bracket that we'll get into later that they use for market profile was the time bracket that was on the corner of the exchanges. They go every half an hour and then I would put oh. that bracket on.
1: Oh, okay. Mm. So what happened wow. was,
3: yeah, mm. yeah. we will get into that a little bit, but, but what happened basically is that if, the other person puts a different price and it doesn't match into the system because they keep punched back Back then. They were that's right. Punchers, that's right. You know? I, mean, like, <laughs> I go back way back. By the way, the mid-am, it was on, on ch- chalkboards. So when they busted a trade, they erased it. They
2: just
1: really?
3: Trade. Yeah, it was chalkboards. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. So, uh, so anyway, when those trades didn't match up, they call them out trades. And then usually before the next day in the morning, they try to hammer it out. And I go, okay. Damon said he sold five to JJ. JJ said that it was four. Mm-hmm. Right? You know. So you know, you you either split it, you know, or, you know, somebody goes your way, they would, you know, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. So that was called an out trade. But it was so bad that they called in all these clerks and said, we gotta, we gotta get this done because it's, you know, out of control. There were so many trades that were out and not m- matched. And they had, uh, people turn, uh, you know, traders turn in their cards three hours after the close. Cause they had to figure out what everything, how everything was, uh, mm-hmm. you know, whatever they did, you know? So, yeah. So that was crazy. And then on the, on the morning of the crash, what happened was a lot of these firms were so still messed up. One of them was Jack Carl, and that's oh, okay. what, and that's who I cleared through, okay. uh, you know, old man Jack owned it, you know. <laughs> and uh, he was so worried because they didn't get, get everything. He, he decided at that point he wanted out of the brokerage business. Oh, so he, he literally stopped every trader that cleared him in the morning, and they tracked everybody down and they tracked me down. After an hour of the opening, and said, "Listen, they grabbed my badge. We think we're going under. You can't trade." Oh my and I god! Go, you, I go, you kidding? I, you got to be kidding me! I mean, this wow. is opportunity, you know. And I had made money. I caught part of it, and it was great, you know. But, um, but I could have made a lot more. But whatever, you know. I, I who knows? You could have lost too. But, but the point is, uh, yeah, they yanked, you know, all the traders' badges. And what happened was the next day, they they allowed some of the traders, if they put up more money to trade until they kind of got things under control. And okay. later on, he sold the firm and he got out of the brokerage business. No more, you know, no more brokerage, brokers filling and all that other yeah. stuff. So, oh. yeah, it was a scary time. Even though I made money, uh, you know, I looked at that and I go, what kind of luck do I have? You know, there's a, oh yeah, yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Now, I I will tell you though, uh, in December of '86, I met privately with Tudor, and he showed me the the overlay of the twenty nine Dow with the current spoos, and he oh. called it i mean he definitely called it you know I, yeah
1: I, I just put that video in our in our trading room for people to watch because there's a great youtube video
3: of that era yeah yeah a minute you know yeah i have heard a couple of them and i could swear i'm on the other side because you know, he, he, <laughs> there was two there was two guys that filled for him back then i was okay. one of them and then another one was paul uh paul davis you know but anyway um so yeah when he showed it to me i i, I was in awe because you know i i could understand that there was yeah. a correlation from the 29th chart you know the it was like an annual chart but you know it because it was such a longer term chart it wasn't a daily or weekly it was like an annual mm-hmm. you know he said that he i said when do you think this is going to happen he said you know i think maybe the second half of the year and, and so when the during the crash, my hair was standing up because all I could picture sitting in this private little setting wow. in Chicago that you know no one's supposed to know it was a secret meeting, and uh, and I went wow you know that so and, and by the way he also uh, made me realize a couple things. And this is something for everybody to know that uh, this is where I realized they over I was getting too analytical because the more I learned, I felt like the more systems I had, the more things I applied, the smarter I'll be, the better trader I'll be. But in, when I met in 96 and I saw some of his charts, I said, Holy cow. You know, my charts look like uh, the Dan Ryan expressway, you know, circles <laughs> all over the place. You know, you know what I mean? Lines yeah, exactly. and trend lines, yeah. and lines and Fibonacci lines. And I'm like, Hey, you know, it got a little confusing. So I simplified everything and only took a handful of things I felt were uh, my favorite setups and my favorite moving averages, whatever they were. And I went back to uh, kind of basic technical analysis and I started to do much better and make it was, I could make calls better. And it was just uh, an eye opener for me. And so for those who are listening, I see this all the time, you know, they, they have so many charts and so many. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I know you've heard it before. Uh, what's it? Uh, analysis paralysis. Oh, analysis oh, or something. I've
1: I've done it, you know, yeah. I'm like, yeah. Oh, well, the, you know, I'm missing something. There's gotta be a you know, tiny little thing. And if I just get that, it'll all fall together. You know?
3: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, so for me, it was very important that, I took a step back and kind of went back to the drawing board because you know, I didn't care what people thought about my, my work. I cared, does it work for me? And can exactly. I read it? And can I actually make money off of it? Cause I knew exactly. I was going to trade for myself soon. And, and that was a big, big eye opener for me and it really helped me. So, uh, and then of course I got into market profile around that time, uh, you know, in the early '90s, and uh, that was a super cult because that, you know no one was doing it. You know? People are going, "What are you doing? Writing letters down?" And yeah. you know? I go, "Well, I'm just experimenting. It's, it's called market profile." And, You know, these guys are like, you know, cracking up.
1: And oh, I can imagine. You know, especially like floor traders are. I mean, let, let's let's face it. I mean, the guys who came off the floor in the Vancouver Stock Exchange, if they saw me doing that, they you know they'd ridicule me like crazy. Oh, yeah. Um, you know I mean?
3: <laughs> well, you know what's interesting? So uh, your, your basic original market profile is that you've got letter A, letter B, letter C, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, most people don't really understand where that came from. They think that it was some kind of like special reason why they used it. How well, are you? well, it was basically Peter uh had no way to um, show real-time data uh, let alone volume, because back then volume was just an average—a three-day volume. It wasn't even. There was no way to have real-time volume. So, the oh. data by building this this um, chart, this data curve, um, he used the brackets that we used to put on our cards oh, to yeah. you know at every price. So bracket A was just the first half an hour of the oh. day. Bracket yeah. B was the second half an hour a day. But oh, when yeah. you when you were doing your charts whether it was on a little trading card and you're standing in the pit or whatever you're doing a little bell curve it was nice to see uh you just looked up at the corner and you saw okay it's bracket c so every time you trade a price for the first time you put the c on there right and that's how it all started so uh for those that don't even understand where the a and b came from it's just that's it was as simple as that oh wow that's great to
1: know yeah we don't you know, we, uh, you know, there's all these questions and, and basically our, our, link to market profile is of course, Jim Dalton. Sure. And Jim's was um, a good
3: guy. I know. Him. Yeah. Uh, uh, He's he done some work for us. We've uh, hung out together a couple times.
1: That's uh, that's fascinating. I mean, I, I, I had no idea. I was never a retail trader until about five, five, six years ago. And you know, I mean, I I manipulated deals for, you know, uh, people who invested in them so they could get liquid. So that's basically what my job was, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, engineering short squeezes and things like that. So they can hold the price up until the retail came to take their position out. And um, so, you know, this was fascinating to me because I started in this and, and I started looking at, you know, candlestick charts and I was just so confused. And I just right. couldn't, I, I just didn't, I don't know. I don't have the intelligence or I just don't see it properly. And then when I found this, I was like, what's with these letters? It looks like alien hieroglyphics. What's going on here?
3: <laughs> and, um,
1: and, and I found that through the guys at tasty trade. I'm sure you probably know Tom. Oh Sosnoff yeah. And oh, yeah
3: we're friends. Yeah. He hired me uh, when I, uh, to be the managing director of, uh, TD Ameritrade for a bit. Oh, cool. And uh, the wow. monkey bars was totally my creation. One hundred percent. Yeah. Oh,
1: Okay.
2: Wow.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I, I, stumbled into that and then I found Peter Reznicek and I, that led me to Jim Dalton. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, as, as a guy who's had a heart attack early in life um, you know, profile has kept me, kept me alive because it just oh, lowers yeah. my stress level.
3: Uh, Makes it a lot easier, doesn't it? You, can oh, step, you know, conceptually, you, you know, if you step away and you look at it real time, we're not as quick to pull the trigger and get too crazy. You know, you, you find your, you know, so it's good for that.
1: And the whole, the whole, you know, sort of theory of where price is being accepted or rejected is, is uh, something we never really thought about, Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's, it's fascinating. And now just, I don't want to keep Ray in the quiet too long. I just, just tell us a little bit about your company, uh, you know, Photon and,
3: and, oh, future and, yeah, and future path. Yeah. in future path. Yeah. Sure. So, so when I, uh, I went on my own again, like I, I ran operations for seven years for Gerald and then ran financial cause, uh, Monroe trout was, uh, one of my clients. Wow. But I didn't know that after three years of going through us and Gerald, he decided to buy the company, you know? Oh, okay. <laughs> So I go, how's that going to work? You're one of my clients. And, uh, and they said, well, just keep paying you like you're one of my clients, you know, we're a client, you know, and but we want you to run the operations, which I didn't want to do, but I felt like if I didn't, they might make my operation a little bit tough. So I said, all right, So I, and they paid me a lot more money. But when I left there to go on my own, I was going through my first divorce and eh, I just wanted to take it easy and just trade for myself. And I was doing good. I should have probably... Kept going, but whatever. Uh, but my uh, partners at the time, t- soon to be, came to me and said, "Damon, you know, what if we started our own company together, execution company? You know, I know that you have all this business, and I did. I had a lot of business, but I gave it up. I just didn't care. You know, hmm. I was doing fine training for myself, and and not feel like doing the corporate thing anymore. So." he said, Hey, listen, this won't be corporate. You know, it's me, you know, me and, and, and Tom and we're, we're friends. And then I thought about it because going through my divorce, uh, it was easy for me to uh, be a little bit quiet and, and, you know, do my own thing and not, you know, socialize. And, and I'm kind of a social person, but I, it shut me down a bit. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, maybe this is good for me. And I said, okay, well, if I come and do it, I named my own price. And I said, then I'm going to go bring in all the business from all these years and bring it in house. So I did and we went from, I don't know, maybe seven of us and to 45 that worked for me on the floor and we blew it up and we were doing, uh, at the time we even had the long and short funds. You probably, some of you have heard me talk about the last half an hour of trading. Uh, I used to be the guy that moved the markets, you know, by doing uh, the, you know, you have the imbalances, right? <laughs> No, seriously you know they, everybody would keep their eyes on me and but you know I purposely only let them see what I wanted them to see you know, exactly. you know what I mean <laughs> exactly that's like a whole other like hour of talk but anyway Well,
1: yeah, yeah. I always tell new, new beginners don't get in that last half hour
3: you know yeah if you don't know what you're doing you're gonna get run over right yeah exactly so, yeah. so anyway um, so what happened was I, I was ready to leave uh, Cause I wanted to go back to trading for myself and I had a really good business working for those guys. I didn't want to take any of the business. I would have left them with a nice business. And um, my one partner, Steve Schuler, said, uh, Oh, you know, you can't leave. I want to go upstairs and do some kind of like systems trading thing and, you know, uh, work with, you know, he says, and we need you down here. Cause there was only a couple of us that could do the big stuff like the Tutor, the, we did a Needlehoffers fund, a Toby wow. Crable, you know, and the Rydex funds. And, and uh, I was really the, one of the main guys and he was too, but he wanted to go upstairs. There was only three of us that could pull that off. And he said, if you leave, I can't do this and all that. And so he offered me more money and I, I, I said, it's not about money. I wanted to go trade for myself, but, you know I felt bad and I said okay I'll I'll stay and he went upstairs which by the way he started Getco which is turned out to be a billion dollar company a market making company and you know it's like the old blocks like if you pull the little block out Uh the whole thing can fall down if I would have left none of that would have happened because it happened because when I left he went upstairs and but to make a long story short I also said if I'm going to stay, we have to get out in front of this because the floor is going away anyway. Mm-hmm. I said, you know, I don't want to be here to shut off the lights. I just want to trade for myself, you know? So if we're going to do something, let's create some kind of front end because that's where it's going. You know, yep. the E-minis were taken over. You could see that the pit wasn't controlling the price anymore. It was the E-mini, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in offers that were controlling the price. And so it was a matter of time. So uh, he agreed. So we got ahead, Hunter, to find uh, our next partner, who came in with the idea to build full time trader and do this electronic trading, and and uh, that morphed into uh, creating our own IB, which we were a division at the time. But you know we had a pretty good division, you know, of uh, business. But we wanted to spread out to multiple FCMs, and mm-hmm. and then Gecko started to take off, and we were clearing Gecko. And um, by 2007, we had uh, cleared over 102 million contracts. You know, wow. So yeah, it, it kind of took off, and we were rocking and rolling. But we created this front end, and we called it Photon Trader. So in 2008, though. Uh, I wanted trading on the charts. I wanted a lot of things. And we started to, to, we had a trading on the charts with the original system, but it wasn't uh, robust enough. And so our programmer, uh, we had nine of them, but the the main one uh, said, Hey, listen, let's rewrite it. You know? And I'm like, "Well, I mean, what's that going to take? Well, it did take a lot of money and and we hired two other guys and it was, it was, three programmers that wrote, we wrote Photon and we had our own infrastructure, hundred servers, eight racks. It was crazy. You know, it was just crazy stuff. (laughs) And uh, we did really well and the software took off. Uh, We did get hurt though in 2011 when MF Global blew up. Oh, really? Yeah, because we had all these uh, racks, you know, and and servers pointing all these exchanges the customers didn't get hurt. We got hurt. You know, the customers originally, they, you know, of course they they froze assets and everything and they allowed so much, you know, the CME took over and eventually everybody got their money and everything Mm -hmm. was fine, but it disrupted our business so much that, um, we had to redesign, you know, the whole firm and say, what are we going to do here? So, you know, we did. And, uh, I'm really happy we did it the way we did it. So now of course, everything is easier remotely and technology is even better. And, uh, our execution speeds are extremely quick. And we, we hosted, we're working with another company and they're hosting the servers at, uh, the exchange. So all that is good. And we were able to simplify after that a bit. Um, and so, so I have future path as a, uh, we, we have six firms that we go through with future okay. trading. So we have good prices and uh, we have this photon trader, which by the way, we got some new charts even coming out. And, that's, and what I recently, re- you know, just in full disclosure, uh, because I'm 63, I t- you know, Linda was like, oh, let's just trade and have fun and you know, <laughs> you know, and I said, yeah, but you know, I don't want to give the company up and uh, you know, we put a lot of money and a lot of time into it. I did, you know, uh, most of the designing of the front end and my customers are like friends of mine. I've had them for 10 to 15 years. My main programmers worked for me for 20 and so I said, you know, well, maybe I, I'll step down, not be a broker anymore. Kind of, you know, just enjoy, Educating and doing some kind of educational thing, like a workshop, and you know maybe do something like that and trade for myself, and we could do stuff together. So she agreed that that was probably a good path. So that's what I did. Actually, in August, Um, still have the firm. I own the firm, and you know, seventy percent owner. Full disclosure, hundred percent in the software, but but I, uh, you know, I'm letting. My partners run it, Uh, I'm there for support, but I'm doing uh, a little bit more on the educational side, working with Linda, having some fun, trying to enjoy my life as well. I don't do 24 hour trading like I used to. I gave that up a while ago and, (laughs) you know, at three o'clock I'm done and, you know, I'm I'm making myself a martini or whatever, you know. Nice. Uh, Yeah, you know but uh so that's you know that 's where i 'm going, but of course, anybody who is interested we we're still the firm's still one hundred percent moving along, and I can you know help them out and send them the right people i 'm there but at sixty three at some point, I thought I want to enjoy my life a little bit now the uh you know j g you've probably seen some some things on Twitter you know my my posts in the morning mm-hmm. you know, uh, so I got. Uh, by the way, that's Window Window Trader is working with time. We Terry Lieberman, who owns Window Trader, I've been working nice some with him. He's a great guy, you know. Uh, I trust him. He's in the house. He's been for 25 years, and I think he yeah. has the best front end. I mean, that's what Jim Dalton uses, you know, when it comes to you know the market profile. But what we did is we worked it out so that he's working with Photon Trader, so that. it's under one platform so you can execute and you could get data from our servers at the exchange and um, so it's real robust but then at the same time you're not uh, it's part of an execution system so you're you're having better pricing with data fees so so that's what we're doing but the the funny thing is i never did any Real hardcore education because I was a I trader for myself and I had a company. Mm-hmm. Linda was more of an educator and trader. You know, she, when I say educator, she would do <laughs> seminars and things like that and wrote a couple books. And, mm-hmm. But, but she's a super trader. She, wow. uh, when I met Linda, uh, for those that don't know, that Linda Rashke happens to be my wife. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I met her it was she came to me in 1990 when I was executing for Rand financial or, you know, Gerald. And, uh, they introduced me, and she, she came down on the floor and she wanted, they wanted, uh, or she said she wanted me to execute her orders because she heard I was good. You know, oh, I, good. I, did, I did tutor and all that stuff. I'm looking at her on the floor. I go, wow, you know, there weren't that many women, um, and it, it, that's just a fact. It's I'm not being a children. This, oh, this no, is I a fact. You know? I was
1: trained by a woman, and yes. Yeah, so, yeah.
3: yeah. You know, I uh, there was one other fun that uh, uh, Susan show that uh, came through us, but but anyway, I, I didn't know much about her, you know, at the time. So I she introduced herself, and I said, "Sure." I said, "Well, what kind of size do you do?" And she says, "Well, I do fifty and a hundred at a shot." And I thought, wow, that's pretty gutsy. I mean fifty and hundred big S and Ps, you know, mm-hmm. I can you know, if you if you consider that's like doing two hundred and fifty to five hundred E minis in a shot. So um I said, Well then you should have a direct line And so she's like, Oh, what's that? I said, Yeah, just we'll have a line, you just pick it up, it rings, I pick it up. And there's no delay, and then I use mm-hmm. signals to put it in the pit, so that's what we did. Well, her first order was a 100 lot on the clothes. You know, she would do this like trade where she would get either short or long on MLC, which is market on clothes, and then okay. in the morning, cover it in the morning. And it was a good trade, it was some system that she had, I think she called it the golf system or whatever. It's kind of yeah. funny, but anyway, so that's where uh, uh, Linda also came into picture about 15 years later uh we ended up dating and it was a fluke because she would have me speak at her events once in a while and she was a client of mine for 15 years wow. and uh wow. yeah and what happened was uh we were at a trade show we bumped in, into each other at a trade show mm-hmm. and uh we kind of had a couple cocktails and whatever and And, you know, I could tell, like, yeah, there was a little kind of energy there, but I didn't want to go there because she lived in Florida and
2: lived in Chicago.
3: So that, at one of our events, we're having a cocktail later after that, and I said, you know, if you lived in Chicago, I'd date you, you know, joking around. And she said, yeah, and she says, uh, well, my daughter's going to college and I could trade from anywhere. And I'm like, whoa. smooth, (laughs) Okay. I said, uh, well, I said, you want to come down to Chicago for uh, a weekend, you know, the summer and we'll hang out and I don't know where it's going to go, but, you know, well, you know, why not? I mean, I've known her, uh, trust me, I spoke to Linda more than I spoke to. (laughs) <laughs> my wife and all the girls I've ever dated in, in the t- 15 year period. She was a client. Cause she would get mm-hmm. on the phone. Hey, what do you see in there? Who's buying, mm-hmm. who's selling? You know, what do you think? You know, yeah, exactly. and we shared a lot of like charting points and just ideas and, and we got along great.
2: That's
3: cool. So that's really what, what happened. She came down to Chicago and, or up to Chicago, and we had 17 offices, 13,000 square feet, so I just grabbed one of these offices that I had that were vacant. I threw in 12 monitors, <laughs> computers. I, I uploaded all her stuff so she could just walk in and trade. Well, what started to be was supposed to be one week turned out to be the whole summer. <laughs> so that's how we uh, kind of kicked off our relationship. And we that's, had fun. Went down to Lake Geneva. Did some boating, and you know, it was a lot of fun. So uh, that's great. Here we are, eleven years later. So oh,
1: nice. That's beautiful. So that's. I, uh, I I'm monopolizing you here. I've, I'm going to let Ray take over for. Yeah, a, yeah. Go one, ahead. You know.
0: Yeah. yeah. No, no, that was good. I was uh, no. I, that's why I planned on asking you, uh, Damon, about how you guys sure. met. how I I, I figured. Yeah, I thought you guys. I uh, figured you guys knew each other a while before you guys actually started dating. So that's mm-hmm. interesting. Um, you know, yeah, I, I listened, was 15
3: years. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. 15. Yeah.
0: Yep. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. You know, I, um, I, I, uh, was attendant, um, for your webinar you did last week mm-hmm. and you know, several times, you know, you brought up about how you're a right brain person.
3: Right. Right brainer. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Right brainer. Now having Linda on last week and I, and I could be wrong. She seems a little bit more left brainer. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, you know what, that's, yeah, I would say probably, yes, in some ways. You yeah. Know? Um, she's more analytical than me, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, we look at very much the same things. Uh, you know, I use her 310 oscillator, you know, and she loves my uh, market profile charts. She was the one that told me, why don't you start posting some of those I like your levels. So, mm-hmm. And I thought, eh, you know, social media, it's not for me, you know. So, but I started posting one chart a day because then wherever she's at, she can look at. And, uh, you know, it grew. People seem to like what I'm doing. And, uh, but we have, you know, I like uh, Keltner channels. She likes Keltner channels. There's, uh, you know, some of uh, our theory is very similar about how we look at the market in a lot of ways. So, Mm -hmm. but... Uh, getting back to right and left brain. Um, what, you know, the, the left brain is more analytical. They can look at, they can crunch numbers or right. you know, whatever. Um, so, but she, it's hard to say because she, she does, she does look at patterns too, like me and patterns are really right brainer, you know, cause it's like art, you know, to sure. a certain degree. Mm-hmm. and, uh, and it's interesting cause, uh, The right-brainer traders uh, see patterns probably quicker than a left-brainer, you know, because that's you know it's kind of art almost, you know, to a certain degree, Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, and and they think of life in in a lot of gen. You know, when I think of, I, I remember things, I visualize them. I don't remember them like as an event, you know. I visualize what happened during that event, you know. Right. Right. So that's why I think I'm more right brainer. Plus I'm a musician. I, uh, you know, I visualize my, I like my playing rather than read music. I don't read music. I Oh really? Yeah, no, I mm-hmm. was self-taught, you know, mm-hmm. um, I went for six months of guitar lessons and I was passing up this old man instructor that was teaching me. And he says, don't go, in, don't go uh, in front of me, you know, like, past me and I go well yeah. but why is that I mean I'm learning more you know you know I, I didn't understand it but then I looked at him and I realized that's what he did for his living so he he wanted to drag it out mm-hmm. and, you know and my dad he was a, a blue collar hard worker for his money and and I thought like well this guy's taking our money so mm-hmm. I, I quit and I went home and my mom says what are you doing home so early?" he says well I quit she goes well I thought you loved guitar I said yeah but mom he's taking our money you know i was 10 years old you know? yeah and, and you know so i just said i could teach myself and that's what i did i am self-taught you know but i think most of it is right brain functionality for me because i visualize leads and chords, what i got to do rather than read something
0: you know mm-hmm. yeah anyway. interesting interesting yeah and uh you know, I I asked Linda this, you know, and I want to get your take on it like you guys both being traders and I'm assuming being very, you know, I don't want to say obsessive but having that like, you know, most successful people have that like uh, obsessive drive. How do you guys separate the personal life in your trading? together or, you know, I asked, I was like, well, you guys talk at the dinner table trading? Like, how does, how's that dynamic?
3: <laughs> well, you know, the good thing is we realize we're both a little obsessive with trading, mm-hmm. right? You know, <laughs> I was very obsessed, uh, obsessive years ago. I mean, I traded all the way around the clock. I mean, I, when I had my daughter, she was colicky. And so my ex-wife at the time would say, you know, you got to help me out here. I can't sleep. And, you know, here I'm going to work every day, too, and trading. But I thought, hmm. I said, I'll take the 2 o'clock uh, in the morning, you know, wake-up call. Because in my head, I'm going, I can go on my Globex machine when it was just monochrome. <laughs> and I could trade the currencies, you know? So I literally would, my daughter would cry. I'd look, it's around 2. I said, I got it. I'd get up. i grab her. i put her in my arms. i close the lights and the, the the office and that you just saw this little chart machine and globex thing <laughs> and she'd look at him and go oh i go to sleep you know and i would sit there though for two hours with her in my you know arms trading you know and so then, then i'd go to work blurry eye because i really didn't sleep and you know so it was a little obsessive <laughs> yeah. a little crazy you know that's funny that's and funny and, yeah
0: uh, yeah david not in a row but it, it, yeah. it reminds me man like i have a son he's five years old now but uh you know i would t- you know uh i would have him on uh, days, and I, you know, I'm an online poker player, and uh, the same thing. Like he would wake up in the middle of the night. I'd be, you know, holding them, clicking, playing to, like four or five tables at the same time. So it's, uh, oh yeah, yeah, funny stuff. But yeah, quite a good team.
3: Yeah. So so with uh, getting back to your original question, is that we we discuss some is the markets here and there, but you know, there's no doubt. Like she we both need a break. Like she'll go ride her horses. I'll go pick up my guitar or in the summer, I have my boat in the water and everything. And, but I, I stopped trading after three because i just, you know, I just realized, you know, you have to have uh, a recharge of your batteries, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I would say Linda has slowed down a little bit too, you know, where she doesn't take big overnight positions. Now when she, she she had 120 million under management you had to have overnight positions so Mm -hmm. she had no choice and when the company was rocking and we had in 2008 it was crazy i had to have like a laptop right next to my bed i mean that was really (laughs) good for the you know marriage but but you know uh but you had to you know the markets were crazy which by the way the reason why i split up you know, you see my charts and I split it up in Asia yeah. and uh-huh. Europe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's because of 2008, I realized that, wow, well, we are connected. I mean, let's face it. So I start looking at those, uh, you know, the different time frames, and uh, but it wasn't easy for me to split it up on any given chart. I don't care what chart system you had, but on, on uh, with market profile and with, window trader i can make these templates and split them up mm. so uh it, you know i just felt like after 2008 i realized let, let's face it uh citibank and you know, all these banks that were swinging back and forth in these big brokerage firms they were all over the world they're you know they have offices oh, yeah. and banks everywhere so mm-hmm. we're all connected we'd sneeze in europe would, you know you know, whatever, oh, you definitely, know. Yeah. so uh I, I just realized how important those markets were. And I was trading 24 hours too, uh quite a bit then. But, you know, when you get older, uh, we're, for, we're very fortunate. I, uh, we're blessed that we have had a good career and nice nest egg and, and all that. And our families are good, but you know, there's no reason to overdo it um, mm-hmm. for anybody. I think, you know, that's where we might differ a little bit. Linda's a little bit more like she'll, she'll work two hours at night, every night and all that. And I look at charts at night, but you know, I, she's a little bit more uh, into her homework that way, you know, cause she does like looking at more markets than I do, you know? So mm-hmm. it entails more uh, homework, you know, mm-hmm. but with all that being said, when we do talk about the markets, it's it's briefly a lot of times you know she might be call me in the morning if she's in Florida and say did you see the uh, move in the crude and I said yeah you know I had this and I and then we'll talk a little bit but we try to keep that you know to a minimum because mm-hmm. we we're married you got to have you got to get away from work you need a balance right. and uh, and I think intuitively years ago we just don't talk about the market like we used to now when when she was my client that's all we talked about because she's a client she's calling the floor uh, not to find out like uh did i hear any good music last night you know know what i mean you know she was like anybody else like paul tudor jones or any of them hey who's Who's selling what do you think you know it's order flow right yeah it's order flow You you know she's trading But, you know, we would have some talk, personal talk, but very little at the time. She didn't even know I played music until uh, she might have told the story about it. When we were, I was at a trade show and she was at a trade show. There was a small time where we did our electronic trading platform and she was using some other platform. We were in the midst of building it. But we talked every once in a while, but she wasn't, it was about a year where there's a disconnect but I, I'm at this Traders Expo in uh, California and she was there because she's from there and visiting friends and, and I think she was speaking but I didn't even know and uh, there was a long hallway that was off to the side that nobody went down and I happened to cut through there and I saw this grand piano I looked around and I said No, oh, nobody's there now I play a little piano, a little blues and that kind of stuff for myself. Mm. But I'm not a great piano player. Anyway, so I'm, I got on there and I'm just trying to relax because I had a booth and all that and I'm just tired. So I'm playing a little blues and, and about like 10 minutes later, somebody taps me on the shoulder and I turn around and she goes, Damon? And it was Linda. <laughs> I go, Linda, what are you doing here? She goes, well, you know, blah blah blah. And I go, well, I'm here. And she says, you didn't tell me you played piano. I said, well, you never asked, you know. <laughs> you know, I said I actually play guitar. You play guitar, and well, it turns out that she was an amazing piano player. She still is. Oh wow. Yeah, and I didn't know that either. So she got on and played a little bit. I said, you never told me you. Play piano she goes well you never asked you know? so so it was kind of a you know a joke and that's actually that was the first time that we kind of had cocktail flirt a little bit but i didn't go there it was just <laughs> fun fun stuff you know because she had just gone through her divorce and i was for mine 10 years already so uh yes but but i think it's real important um personally for me especially at at my age i'm not 30, 40 years old where I can go 24 hours training uh, to, to have a balance in your life. But I think for everybody, you should. Um, if you're going to trade the night markets, then you should only trade the night markets, trade mm-hmm. the day markets, you know, because uh, when you're tired or, you know, you got too much information overload, you you tend to lose focus, mm-hmm. uh, get right. tired, make mistakes in that's not good for anybody. So I think uh, uh, if if I could give anybody advice... By the way, I only uh, really like to trade the first hour and a half of the day and the last hour. There's, you know, in between there, during my workshop, I do an online trading workshop that um, I do, I call it the first call and last call. That's where all the money's being made and that's where you, you get some really good moves and and you could see the order flow in in the middle there between ten and like one uh, one guy said at one of my uh, seminars when I said don't trade in the middle you know it's <laughs> you know it's all whatever and he says you mean don't diddle in the middle yeah times. That yeah. Cool yeah so that. so i uh, I picked up on that that was years ago don't diddle <laughs> yeah. in the middle you're right man you know yeah. you, that's right you got it you know <laughs> so uh and as i used to so there's you know in just real quick the first hour and the last hour are two different animals the first mm-hmm. hour these funds are gonna you know put on their positions and you start to bang out some kind of range And as you know that's like what they call the initial balance and market profile the first hour you know you you kind of like have to Start to create a range, and then you you either are going to trend out of that, or you're going to just chop. Yeah. And and then the last hour, I used to do the long short imbalances for these funds. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you, on Friday, I have some uncanny you know snapshots and order mm-hmm. flow of that. Friday, did you see how we closed in the highs? Oh yeah. We had sixty thousand contracts in the last five minutes of all buying. You know, and, and yeah, and so most, but what happens most, most traders uh, take the opposite side of something like that. Cause they go, well, we've been up all day. We got a break. Oh, oh I know. Correct. <laughs> but these funds, when there's a long and short imbalance, they have to hedge. They, yeah. They're not doing it cause they think the market's going higher. They have to hedge their position because otherwise the SEC will say, what are you doing? You're a bucket shop. If you're a long S and P fund, and you have nine hundred million coming in, you have to be long the S and P's. So what do they do? They go in the S and P's and they buy them. Yeah. And that's what I used to do on the floor. I used to get these orders, two or three thousand, and and I always say that um, you know contracts, which is equivalent to ten to twenty thousand E minis, uh, and I had a half an hour to do it between two thirty and three o'clock. Let me tell you, I always joke. I I, I I at, at at uh two around two thousand two thousand one, I ended up with uh, ulcers, you know, oh, and but I always said hmm. I'm not sure it's from my ex-wife or it's from <laughs> <laughs> from, from having the stress of executing these huge funds cuz it's stressful, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, you make a mistake when you're executing that kind of size. Yeah. You're cutting a check for a couple hundred thousand, you know, so. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, so uh and uh, we wanted to keep the business if you, Exactly. You know, well, we're getting 2 dollars a contract. Somebody gives me a no, 2,000 to buy in the last half an hour, you just, that's a $4,000 commission, you know. Oh, yeah. But but you, you're moving the markets. That's the other thing. You know, if you don't do a good job, you lose the business. So there's yep. that fine line that, you know, you really have to, and, and, and I was, I, I will tell you this, you could look it up, but I have not had one complaint, one fine from the exchange, not even a dress code violation, because wow. that's, that's the way I roll after all these years and uh so with that being said i would get these huge orders like two three thousand contracts uh, and i got some friend of mine who's gonna be in a pity goes oh man i'm gonna sell it you know because this thing should come down and i can't even tell him i'm buying three thousand because that's yeah. you <laughs> exactly be in trouble. and yeah. i'm thinking like all i could say is george why don't you go <laughs> <laughs> you know i can't say why just go home because I mean, uh, you know what are you gonna do you know well i, I, our I just market yeah, never I, go there you know exactly
1: like our market makers when we were trying to move something up and they had a massive sell order you know they because the lines were recorded we were up in canada so the boys yeah. in jersey city they'd be like they'd cough twice, you know, it's like, oh, size seller, get the hell out of the oh,
3: way. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't do any of that. It was just, you know, in fact, <laughs> let me tell you something. When I met Tudor uh, in person after executing for a little bit, he wanted me and my broker that we worked together with to do all his business, and it was, mm-hmm. a, it was a private meeting, and he, to, and he says to me, he says, he says you know, I, I'm thinking about having you do all my business. And at one point I just looked at him and I said, you know, I'm really flattered. Right. But I said, why man, not another broker. You know, I just felt that was pretty incredible to offer me that because it was a lot. It was yeah. sixty, seventy thousand 70,000, probably contracts a month, big ones. Wow. And, uh, and he says, well, he says for two reasons. Yeah. I think you're a good broker. You work hard for me. You, you give me good fills. And the second one is I know that you're, you're not uh, buying yourself a Lamborghini every time I give you an order.
2: <laughs> you know what I mean?
3: In other words, I'm not telling some friend of mine buy a hundred and then they exactly. buy a hundred and then and I go front buy a thousand and yeah,
1: right. Front running. Yeah.
3: He just knew that it was just, uh, I didn't have it in me to, to be like that. I'd rather yeah. say, look, I, you know, like my dad, you know, he worked hard to make his, uh, you know, his money and uh, he did it very honestly. In fact, I will tell you like there was a time he was uh, audited by the IRS and he was upset. He's going, you know, he almost cried. He was like, I work so hard oh, and yeah. I don't do anything wrong. And, you know, he yeah. just Im- immediately thought, you know, yeah. so he had to go into the IRS to find out why they want him to come in and they want to audit him. And it turned out he overpaid.
2: Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah.
3: So, uh, yeah. you know, so that's where I came from. And, you know, I just, uh, I'm glad I never took that, that, uh, that direction. Now, you know, I know that some of these guys that did uh, ever, you know, and they might have $15 million homes, but they can't look at themselves, you know, in the mirror. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's something to be said about that, but we, I did fine. You know, we did very well. Linda did very well. We did it the right way. Linda's the same way, by the way. Um, You know, I feel like we're both, when it comes to that you know we are uh, aligned 100 percent you know we don't like yeah. to take advantage of anybody take advantage of a situation we earn the money our money the hard way you know yeah. we just you know we've we look at the charts we we, we gotta buy it, we buy it we gotta sell it, we sell it you know nothing came free and easy so mm-hmm. yeah
0: yeah no i mean that's what it seems like most of the people i mean pretty much all the people we've talked to jay have uh priest that like like doing it the right way doing it the uh mm-hmm. you know ethical moral i mean everyone except for jj but um <laughs> you know, <I> mean, listen, <laughs> listen
1: uh, we, we, had, the, we yeah, had the that, one we had the one client on the on the show that wasn't actually you know as evil but most out of the 200 clients i had you know they were all they all made lex Luthor look like a boy scout
3: <laughs> uh, oh,
1: god. Uh, oh god oh yeah i mean it was uh it's completely uh, see i always longed to be a real trader like you you guys but you know i got stuck uh because in, you know in the penny, i came up through the sores of the penny stock world right uh, you know because i started out in vancouver and uh you know they the old promoters and things like that, they saw me and I didn't, couldn't trade my way out of a wet paper bag, but they knew they could trust me because mm-hmm. I was, I was, you know, I wasn't smart enough to realize I could front run their orders. Number one. Uh, and number yeah. two, yeah. you know, and number yeah. two, they were like, you know, we'll, we'll get them young, train them like a bird dog, you know? Right. Um, right. Uh, right. As long as he's loyal, you know, we'll, we'll give him order flow.
3: So, uh-huh. You know? <laughs> yeah. There's a lot to be said with that, you know, yeah. It would be so easy to do it uh, when I had those big orders. I mean, ridiculous, but I just couldn't. I mean, it was just not me. Mm -hmm. And uh, even my friends, you know. uh, I remember, like, One of my friends telling me, he says, "Why didn't you warn me? You knew I wanted to be short. Yeah, we had to buy two thousand. Don't go there with me. Yeah, come on, really? I mean, I can't do. I can't go there. Yeah, it's just not right. You know. Mm -hmm. And everybody knew that. That I was like that. So I think that for me, Um, I'm I'm really happy that I took that that road because the older you get, you know, the more um, I don't know if you want to call it religious, spiritual, whatever you want to call it. You know, you you you, you kind of look back at the things you wish you would never did, or and all that, and oh, thank yeah. God I don't have to look back there.
2: You know, so,
3: <laughs> and a lot of those, a lot of those traders, I I will tell you, uh, lost everything when it went electronic because. You know, they forgot they made all their money by you know whatever. So, yeah, <laughs> exactly.
1: You know what I mean. Yeah. And then they think yeah. they're traders all of a sudden, yeah. and they're in a pit trying to yeah. blow the
3: market, and they get crushed. They have yeah. no idea. <laughs> yeah. So.
0: Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well. good. Well,
1: cool, so one. One question. Now, were you on the floor when Silver Thursday happened with the Hunt brothers?
3: Uh, yes, I was. Oh, I was on uh, the floor. I so I have to I
1: have to ask because I. Uh, you know, I've always been, the, the the corner has always been my, I've been fascinated by it, read it, read about it from the days of Vanderbilt with Harlem Railroad. So uh, what was that like?
3: Oh, God, it was crazy. I, I, I remember, I mean, people were like taking her silverware, you know, or, you know, to <laughs> get it melted down and, and cash it in, you know? You know, their, their grandmother's, you know, silver, sterling silver teacups and stuff. <laughs> like wow I mean it was out of control and uh, but they didn't know at the time it was be, you know the market was being kind of cornered you know yeah. and uh, but you know I, I know a lot of people that cashed in pretty good because when it did go up to I think it was what $15 or something crazy yeah you know that was crazy you know that uh, everybody was cashing in their you know their silverware and things like that and uh, coins you know this remember Back then, uh, quarters in the sixties. I think it was. It was still all completely silver, you know. So everything was worth more, you know, if you had silver. But um, but it was a little crazy. Uh, gold followed soon after that, you know. I guess with the uh, you know with the hostage crisis, it went to eight hundred. That was crazy. So everything was uh, out of control for that period of time it was a short period it didn't last too long you know they busted <laughs> just... them and yeah and before you know it silver was right back to where it started and a lot of these guys got stuck and
1: for for, for new for for the younger listeners silver thursday was uh i just looked it up it's 1979 to 1980 right where they took it from six bucks at now it's up to 50 and the right brothers, oh, 50 okay yeah and uh, nelson bunker hunt and william herbert hunt um, they yep. actually cornered the market and then apparently they were like filling up, you know, planes full of silver and flying them, flying it to Switzerland, Jeez. you know, um, oh. just to corner the market. And uh, it, it's funny because I once got to talk to uh, Nelson Bunker Hunt before he passed away. It was a real thrill. It was, uh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I'm a big history buff. So Oh,
3: well, that's cool. Yeah. yeah so I I was on the floor because uh, that was 79. I started in 77. But um, it was still not real apparent to me because I didn't trade silver or gold. Uh, I was trading cattle and bonds and corn, that kind of thing, you know, but I watched it, you know, and it was crazy. And I watched my friends, you know, grabbing all their silver, you know, and (laughs) silver coins. and, And I didn't have anything. I was a young kid, you know. Yeah didn't have any silver? I said, I'm sorry, I don't have any silver. But if I did; it'd be great. I'd be cashing it in. <laughs> that was a crazy time. Yeah.
0: Hey, so, so, Damon, um, tips for navigating Globex? Maybe the similarities and the differences from the regular trading hours.
3: So, yeah, Globex. Um, I will say, if you're trading the night markets. Um, Asia, for instance, uh, if you're trading Asia, they do tend to uh, to trend a little bit in the first hour or two, and then they, they pretty much die. You know, mm-hmm. um, that's one thing. Europe tends to, to have bigger ranges, more volume, and trend a little bit more. I feel like Europe has a a, a more mature type market, bigger funds, and will come in asia there's a lot of retail
2: mm-hmm. you
3: know they because they're gamblers they love gambling you know <laughs> you know what i mean yeah yes, I yeah, do, yeah so <laughs> yeah so you know if you're trading at, at two in the morning which i gave up doing that you know um you know i think europe is a, a pretty good trade the first hour when it opens up to two hours just like regular uh U.S. Uh, markets, mm-hmm. and then around six o'clock, if you if you could get up that early, which I tend not to, <laughs> turn on the screens at six. I'm making my coffee, but uh, yeah, between six to ten o'clock, then you know Europe is good to trade, but that spills into the U.S. markets. Right. Um, yeah, gaps are uh, interesting with these markets because if if you split it up, you really. Could see the gaps a little clearer. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: And when we fill the gaps from the uh, US, uh, let's say the US high to the US low, like, you know, when we open up, you know, like, you know, if we gap higher because Europe's higher. Uh, Today was a a fairly good, well, it wasn't a great example because Europe's so loft. Uh, But, you know, there's definitely more gaps these days because the markets are more active overnight.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah. So, uh, uh, I I'm, I'm there with Linda a bit where you gotta be careful. If, if the gap's up too much higher, there's a good chance that it's not going to fill the gap and it, it is going to trend in that direction. Cause it, you know, for the gap that higher, there's some good buying coming in, good interest. If right. the gaps, if there's a small gap, uh, on the opening after the night markets, there's a good chance that we're gonna at least trade in that direction early and try Mm -hmm. to fill it. But if we don't do it in the first half an hour, then that might be it, and then we go the other way. So, uh, and and as far as trading the, uh, uh, for sure, the Globex, you should, if if you do anything, you should look at the night markets, even if you don't split it up, Mm -hmm. and take the highs and lows because Globex tends to or the US day markets tend to test one or the other and usually if the night markets make a higher swing high it's it's like almost I don't want to say it's a you know a percentage but it's a very I would say high percentage that we're gonna at least test that high if if it's a new swing high uh, we tend to go up there and say we don't want europe to leave the high we're gonna make the high you know mm-hmm. and, and and if they don't that's a weak you know that's actually a, a weak signal that you know we're probably gonna sell off a bit mm-hmm. so there are a lot, a lot of nuances i'd have to show charts to sh- uh, kind of back it up a little mm-hmm. but um i don't know if that helps or not you know
0: no it does no for no, sure no. yeah that's good and uh just just real quick the um Tell us a little bit, because I heard you say this on the webinar as well, and then you mentioned it earlier, uh, the Globex machine you had in your house?
2: Oh. <laughs> yeah. That sounds, so, no. that sounds
0: like some real, like, sick, like, uh, degenerate stuff right there. Like, yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So so when Globex uh, first came out the night markets in, like, early 91, there was Globex one and Globex two. Globex one was just pathetic. And... You know, back when it first came out, electronic trading, I re- all the guys on the floor said, ah, oh, that that stuff isn't going to work, you know, <laughs> you know, crap, you know. and uh, But, you know, I was interested in it because I traded off charts anyway. So to mm-hmm. me, that appealed to be able to see it on a screen. But it was the Globex one didn't even have stops. All you could do is put in limits and buy or better, sell or better. It didn't even have market orders. It was very, very, yeah. And it was, uh, they were, uh, it was monochrome green and there was screens that came with the Globex. They were, you know, they provided them for you. Mm -hmm. And it was only members could trade Globex. You had to have a seat. So somebody who was off the floor could not have a machine unless they had a seat. Got it. And so... I was the second person to have a Globex machine in my, uh, you know, in my house that I know of because I was so excited to have one in my home. Now, before that, they had Globex machines on the floor, so you had to use those. But for the night markets, they allowed them to start putting them in your house. So the CPU was literally like a little radiator. It was so huge. <laughs> you know? Yeah. The router was bigger than my current computer. The router. Yeah. yeah and crazy. they came into my home and I had this beautiful library with uh walnut walls. and You know, it was really yeah. classy. And they came in, my ex-wife was screaming, you know, <laughs> I, I didn't know what they were going to do this. And so they came in, they had this long drill and she goes, Damon. And you know, I go, what? They're not, putting holes in his, you know wood wall or whatever the panel i go whoa 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 you know what are you doing he goes well we got to drill a hole through your wall to go outside and go you know it was a hard line to the telephone pole or whatever Mm -hmm. i said whoa 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 you're gonna drill from he says yeah you didn't know that I said, no, you know, and then, and then meanwhile, you know, here I am, I'm looking at the equipment and I said, where's this stuff going to go? It's going to make my library look like, you know, crap. And she's freaking out, which, you know, a normal thing for her, you know? So, so I'm like, ah, what am I going to do? So I said, I'll tell you what, I said, how about you put it in the closet, right? And you can screw through the, through the closet wall because it's yeah. not going to show so much, yeah. you know? And, you know, that kind of toned my wife down a little bit. So he put this big hole through the wall, which I still can't believe they did. <laughs> ran this huge wires. They weren't little. They were, like, huge, yeah. you know, wires. It's, like, so <laughs> archaic through the wall and to the telephone pole. So I, I was one of the first ones to do it. And, and I was kind of like – on one hand, I was really excited. On the other hand, I just went – Wow, this is crazy. I open up my closet and here's my coats on half of it and then it was like these huge you know huge radiator looking like back then you thought that was a normal computer. Yeah. Cuz that's how they were, you know. There wasn't even a regular computer back then. I mean, you know, you didn't have one of those in, in your house nor Yeah, exactly. And so yeah. so that yeah, so I had this Globex machine and then it came out with Globex 2 and Globex 2 was this is just information for people that don't even know back then. Uh, There was a company called GL trade. Uh, They were a French company. They were the ones that came up with the trading software and convinced uh, the CME to use this as Globex. And it was a better system and it was electronic and that was like maybe 94, 95. So that was better because you could put in at least a stop you know, because oh, wow. you can put in a stop. And um, so you could put a limit and a stop, and their market orders were actually limits with or better. So, like, oh, okay. still to this day in the back end of Globex, when you buy a market, you might see a limit 50 handles higher. You know, that's how the software is written, uh, you know, the API, whatever. So uh, that was all you could do with it but at least you could put a stop in because it was kind of insane if i got in the markets in the middle of the night i didn't want to go to bed because i couldn't put a stop mm, right. you know so yeah, i, yeah, I but... have to like manage it and sometimes you're managing it for three four hours where you yep. just get out and take your loss or Jeez. profit wherever you're at because you got to go to go to sleep <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. so i mean i look back and how crazy i mean i started <laughs> at the mid-am and they had chalkboard you know the guy yeah. a guy with a headset who would be on the phone with a guy at the minimum at the uh, CME exchange or Board of Trade and it would say what the quote was and they'd put the quote on the board of what the CME was, and then you had right next to it our trades, you know when uh-huh. we would trade and uh, and it was nothing. I thought it was normal back then. Right. you know they busted a trade at seventy five they erased it.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 I mean, yeah, you know, go figure. You know, now yeah. I look back and I just crack up. I go, they yeah. erased the trade. They necessarily yeah. busted a trade. It's
0: crazy, man. Well,
3: yeah.
0: yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's just a a, a real testament to you and, and Linda that you guys, you know, through all this evolution, through trading, and you guys are still here, you know, still make it still profitable. I, I wonder how many people can even say that, you know, it's incredible. And uh, last
3: well, question, Damon. I appreciate it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, top three non-trading books or a few. If
3: mm. you know, I I have to say that you know, the original Ed, Edwards and McGee um, to start with, you know, is is old, but uh, for sure, I you know, I felt like that's a pretty good book um, because you know, it's regular technical analysis is still. Uh, you know, is a, uh, uh, is important. You know, I don't care how, you know, most traders don't, you know, they're afraid to talk about a bull or bear flag because it's too simple, but the conceptually it's, you know, uh, it still works. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, the original, uh, there's a couple out there, you know, that, uh, go over the original technical analysis. Uh, Pring had a couple of nice books out there on basics, you know, with the technical analysis. Um, I do like uh, Jim Dalton's Mind Over Markets for, Mm, you know, uh, more than anything for uh, the original, the first Mm -hmm. one, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, for market profile. And I'm going to say this, not, you know, (laughs) you know, I, I have to say that, you know, Linda's original, uh, Street Smarts you know is a, a is still a, a good uh, basis for technical analysis is a good read, but also you know uh, her new book is has some good tips in there. Um, those are really probably three that I think are good good reads um, mm-hmm. that I like. Um, there's been, you know I don't know that there's any one book that I that all the way through, like the Taylor book is good that she talks about, but it's very hard to, to understand. You really have to read it over and over. Uh, so it's not a great read, you know, but it's, it, you know, I like her, the way she interprets the Taylor uh, strategies. Um, so the difference is today, in all honesty, you could get, you know, all kinds of different um, nice online instructional things practically for free uh, most of them are free on, on the web mm-hmm. and and what you have to do is pre watch and see what makes sense to you um, and you look at the traders themselves you know they, mm-hmm. these guys that put out uh, books and you know on the web or, or videos and training <laughs> instructional things you got to be careful like if if he's been in the business five years you know and what, <laughs> you know and he has no credibility uh from anybody else but other than what he says about himself or mm-hmm. herself you got to be careful yeah. look at the guys that have the experience the veterans but you know who have done well for themselves see what they do and and see if some of these work for you but um you know i think at the end of the day you have to do your own homework and analysis and uh and and take Take things that you read and whatever uh, educational uh, mm-hmm. programs that you watch or whatever, and if it makes sense to you and you think like this works for me and it's something you can execute, then you 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 have to do a little test of your own without you know maybe putting money into it you know try a simulator, and uh, but at the end of the day I learned the hard way when I looked at Paul Tudor Jones uh, work in in 86 i stepped back and i simplified everything a little bit more and i look at things uh you know from a macro view sometimes to keep me in line so that i don't get too uh, jaded on direction and uh i keep it pretty simple the things that i do they don't contradict each other Uh, i use a series of moving averages 310 oscillator uh, some uh, a reversal system that helps me trail my stops. I, I use a little technical analysis. All these things work together, and and when you do have five or six systems that you use to, to de- determine your direction or your buy or sell signals, just make sure that you don't have two that say sell and two that <laughs> say buy. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it, if you do. That's when you stand aside because that that's telling you that the market could be um, noisy, you know. And so I I don't know if I answered that question. No, those,
1: was,
0: was you did was you did you did Damon. No, that was great. Um, I did. I, I was trying to. Uh, I, I said non-trading, but that was great. We got the trading oh. books.
3: <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> oh, well. No, it's all right. No. Oh, okay. Uh, you know what? I'm I'm not a huge. Linda's a huge reader. Oh my mm-hmm. god, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, i think if we move we have more books than furniture i don't
0: know well you said you had this nice uh library where you put your yeah. globex machine
3: yeah well you know yeah but, for but show? You know, when i say library i mean like uh, uh office some books but an office yeah. <laughs>
0: okay gotcha you, gotcha you. yeah
3: so i'm not a huge reader um okay so I I can't really help you there 'cause no, right.
0: no worries. You gave us the trading books. That will yeah. suffice. The I thought suffice. you were
3: talking trading
0: books. Oh. <laughs> no, all right. I mean. No, no, that 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 answer sufficed. Um you gave us a you know, a few takes on these uh people out here uh trading or teaching trading. So you you see these guys like trading from the beach, like you don't think that's a good idea? <laughs> <laughs> like helicopter i've seen helicopters
1: um, uh well you know the guy you know the thing you know they now they have uh what is it three easy setups it's it's like uh 10 minute trading like 10 minute abs. yeah you know? God, these guys that uh, say you know you,
3: you know you, you can make a living trading from the beach well you know it's a little pushy but uh but i will say that uh you know i have traded um uh, you know from hotel rooms you know mm-hmm. uh-huh. when i'm on the road and I I remember when we were in Hong Kong, me and Linda for a trade show, we were up three in the morning uh, trading from the hotel room. So, uh, you know, that wasn't probably the smartest thing, but it was a crazy time, you know, and the markets were nuts. So yeah, yeah, it was after 2008. So we, a lot of volatility and, uh, but yeah, I don't suggest trading from the beach, although, Hey, I would love to I'm Greek. I mean, I love the ocean, you know, that would be a dream, but uh, yeah, something about trading on a laptop with a wireless in these markets. Oh yeah. A little dangerous.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'd say so. I'd say so. So uh, yeah, that that concludes uh, the episode of confessions of a market maker. Uh, If you guys enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review it for us. Uh, If you're interested in learning market profile, if you're keen on trading a liquid market, if you guys got a small account, come join JJ and I at microefutures.com. Damon, uh, tell the centers where they can find you and anything else uh, you'd like to tell
3: them. Sure. Um, well you can you could do uh, you could go to ww.damonpovlados.com. Just my name, and you could see some of the things that I offer in that. Uh, if you're interested in a brokerage uh, firm, my my Future Path Trading, the company that I own. Uh, you could go to futurepathtrading.com, and uh, or you can send an email to Jerry at futurepathtrading.com, and you know see if uh, we can help you there. Photon Trader, same thing. You can go to Future Path, or you can go to photonservices.com and look at Photon, get a free simulator. So those are the you know the three places you can find me and if you want to follow me on twitter it's just at damon Pavlados. um when i put up one or two charts a day i might do a little bit more there Mm -hmm. my uh well what but what i'm currently doing is i do an hour uh in the morning and an hour in the afternoon and you can um join me for live and watch the markets live in three days a week I, I do it Tuesday through Thursday. So you just go to com and take a look and see if you're interested. Awesome.
0: Good stuff. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I enjoy, I enjoy following you on Twitter. I love the, uh, the posts, um, especially, good, good. especially of like the, the profile split up of, you know, Asia, Europe, mm-hmm. us um, find it very intriguing and it's helpful. JJ parting words.
1: Oh, thank you very much, Damon. We really appreciate you being on the show and, and, uh, no, and hopefully you come back. Well, we'd love to have you back. And I'm mm-hmm. sure, you know, I've got, you know, I never got to ask about Revco and how that all went down and, you know, saw anything there. So, so I've got a lot. Of, you know, we could talk for hours. Yeah, we could you talk know? for hours. We could always do
3: this again or something and yeah. touch on things we didn't talk about. <laughs> no, I, I really appreciate it. Uh, I, you know, I uh, enjoyed you guys. Uh, you know, when I heard Linda's interview, I said, that was fun, you know. And so I, Felt like uh, it would be fun, and sure enough, it that was uh, a lot of fun to, for me to go back and and you know talk about the old days, and hopefully, hopefully some you know the listeners out there you know picked up something, maybe mm-hmm. a little advice, uh, a little encouragement, uh, you know, a little history, because the history is uh, fun, you know, how things came about. So.
0: For sure. No, I mean, you know, for someone like myself, it's, uh, it's truly really valuable to hear your perspective. And I mean, you got so much experience and you, you lived it from, you know, that side for someone like myself as a retail trader, how, you know, I could never understand that. And then just having you share your experience, giving us a more holistic view of things. Uh, sure. very grateful, very grateful. And so for Mr. Suvaki stick, no Suvaki <laughs> Stick, degenerate Damon, for the mayor of Saskatchewan. Oh, God. I'm Riverboat Ray.
1: There you go.
3: Please use some stocks.
1: Have a good night,
3: everyone. All right. Take care. Thank you for having me.